Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of L2M Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to the latest installment of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Chris Brown, who is the CEO of Market Culture Strategies. Now, in this role, Chris oversees the development of new programs and services in marketing software, as well as new business development. Uh, and he's involved in marketing culture strategies, education programs, and projects. He, uh, he holds a Bachelor of Business degree from the University of Technology in Sydney and has also uh, done some postgraduate work at the University of New South Wales, Australia. Prior to uh, starting Market Culture, he spent over 12 years in the IT industry, mostly with Hewlett Packard in the South Pacific region, also working for Australia's largest IT wholesaler, Tech Pacific Australia. And uh, he held a number of positions in sales and marketing, as well as working on the senior leadership team at HP as the national marketing manager for the imaging and product group, uh, printing group rather, within the South Pacific region. So Chris brings a wealth of experience to, uh, to marketing, and we're glad that he's here with us today. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Linda. Okay, so Chris, tell us, your company helps businesses become more market-driven. Tell me what you mean about that, and why is being market-driven something we should care about? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, you know, market-driven is a concept that's been around for quite a while, uh, but it's something that you know, most business professionals understand at some level, but it's not really been put into a, an overall management framework to allow them to really take action on and, and build what we call a market-driven culture inside their business. And it's really about the behaviours of the organisation overall and then also the behaviours of individuals in that business as to whether or not they really uh, are well aligned, if you like, with the marketplace that they, uh, that they operate in. So. You know, if we think about executives, most of them would would ask the question, are they really uh, customer-focused as a business? Are they both focused on internal customers and external customers? How do they know um, whether all the employees in the organisation are actually working to, to, towards creating value for customers? Um, so, you know, these are some of the questions that business leaders need to really understand about their businesses as a whole. Um, and to the question of really why should they care about this area, that there's been a lot of evidence that's been um, collated over many years, particularly in the academic world, that um, not so much has this really been applied to the, the practical business world. Um, but this academic research clearly demonstrates that organisations that are market-driven uh, do deliver business performance. And over the last four years, we've been doing our own research with clients and we've, we've been able to show that uh, organisations in our database of market-driven firms are more profitable, they, they deliver um, high levels of innovation and new product success um, uh, and better levels of overall business performance. So, you know, if you think about, you know, successful firms like Apple, 3M, Walmart, uh, Walmart, these are companies that have delivered high levels of profitable growth over a long period of time. Um, and so the question for us was, what are they doing that's different? And, and what we've discovered is that it's 
that they really have a strong market-driven culture. So, Chris, so we hear a lot about people talking about being customer-focused. So is being market-driven similar to being customer-focused? Are they different? What would be the, um, the things that we would be looking for to see whether we're really market-driven as opposed to just saying we're focused on the customer? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think there are, there are two different areas here. I mean, customer focus is an important uh, element in any business, but it, it is more of a discrete focus on the customer, whereas market-driven is a bit more holistic. It's, it's thinking beyond just the customer, but the broader marketplace that, that an organization's operating in. And also it takes into consideration um, the organization's culture and how it works as a business to create that customer focus. Is it collaborative or is it you know, working at cross-purposes internally? Is there internal conflict and competition that's really inhibiting uh, that customer focus? That's great. That's good to know. So when, um, when does someone come to you to, and I know your organization helps to, I guess, identify and build market-driven cultures, what are the, the factors that would cause someone to come to you and say, gee, we need to look at this? Yeah, so, you know, there's a number of different trends that are going on in the marketplace um, right now across industries, really. And, and one of those major trends is um, there are, is an increasing effort by many firms to, to focus on, on customer centricity, uh, to focus on customers, if you like. Um, and the, the major driver for that is is increased competition. Um, you know, industries are continuing to converge. There are new competitors that are entering all sorts of industries, both locally and globally. Um, you know, most obvious is the entertainment and technology industries, where if you think again about Apple, it's now competing with, with competitors like Sony and Samsung and in more recent times, Google and, and Amazon, which are really, if we go back five years, you know, you would have thought that's unheard of, that this convergence is right. taking place. Um, whereas, you know, the, and the same thing's happening in, in more stable industries. And, and what that requires is more focus around the customer, what their alternatives are, and also what the, the, the general business trends are. So that's kind of a key driver. The second one really is to do with commoditization. Um, you know, many, Many businesses that have seen a lot of growth over a period of time have seen their differentiation really fade away and they're not um, standing out as clearly. They don't have as strong a competitive advantage around the product. And one of the responses to this has been a focus on you know, the total customer experience. What is it around the core product or service um, that delivers additional value to customers? How do we map that? How do we actually take action on that? And when you think about customer experience, ultimately that is driven by the entire organization and, and every interaction that the customer has with the organization. And that comes down to, to culture. Is the business geared up in a way that people really know uh, what they're doing to contribute to that overall customer experience? Got it. On it. So tell me, you've created something called the Market Responsiveness Index. Tell me more about that. What exactly is that? The, the Market Responsiveness Index is really a business tool that we've developed, and, and it was really developed to answer kind of two simple questions for, for senior executives. Firstly, how market-driven is my firm? Mm -hmm. And then secondly, how do, how do I actually compare 
to other companies uh, across the world, across geography, across industry, uh, and also within my industry. So, you know, the, these were really questions that we heard from clients, and, and certainly after hearing and seeing a lot of CEOs talk about the desire to instill these greater levels of customer focus, but not really seeing tools to help them um, lead the change, we came up with the Market Responsiveness Index. And essentially it measures seven elements of a market-driven culture. Uh, and these are kind of behavioural elements that we see in really market-driven businesses. And uh, I'll just run through them very quickly. Customer insight, how well it, a business understands its current customers. Uh, customer foresight, how well a business really understands its potential customers. Mm -hmm. Competitor insight, which is about its current competitors and competitor foresight, its future competitors. Yep. Um, peripheral vision, how well it understands the, the political, economic, the social environment, the technological trends that are going on. And so they're sort of five externally orientated behaviours that really market-driven businesses operate in that, in that environment very well. And then there are two internal ones, how well the business collaborates internally, cross-functionally, across sales, marketing, finance, HR, operations, R&D, these different silos that form in businesses, how well do they work across those? Mm -hmm. And then lastly, strategic alignment. Are people aligned around the vision, mission and strategy of the organisation to really create the value for the customer that, that uh, the organisation is looking to produce? That's great. So how long have you been um, doing this and how many various companies do you have profiled within your index? So we, we've been do, we, the Market Responsiveness Index is a relatively new product. Um, we, we launched uh, last year. We have uh, more than 50 companies okay. represented in the database. Uh, and and the, these range across industry and across um, high-performing and lower-performing uh, businesses. So we've got some real benchmark firms in the in the database, companies like 3M, um, through to, to other firms that are not as performing so well. So there's quite a range of firms that, that companies can uh, benchmark themselves against. Okay. And once I, if I were as an organization to participate in this, once I would um, get this market responsiveness index report, what would I do with those results? How would I use those to impact my marketing? Yeah, so um, you know, typically uh, the MRI result, results are, are provided to uh, the leadership team initially, um, mm -hmm. and then uh, we present those and have a discussion around the interpretation of those results. What do they mean for the business? Where are the strong points? Where are the weak points? Uh, what should be the priorities in terms of change in the organisation? Um, you know, what initiatives might uh, need to be um, undertaken to, to build the level of market-driven culture in the business? Right. So that's really the first phase, and then it gets rolled out from there because it's really a tool to enable um, companies to rally around the tool and, and uh, take action within teams throughout the business. Uh, to improve their own levels of market-driven culture in, in different parts of the business. Can you give me some examples of companies you've worked with and the types of results that they've obtained or achieved from, from working with this tool? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, there's, there's um, 
we've worked with quite a number of different types of firms, from um, the swimwear company Speedo through to companies like Chevron and insurance companies like Blue Shield. Um, and, and within these firms, we've worked across different departments um, as well as in, entire firms. But an interesting one is a large telecommunications firm that we've worked with for a number of years. Uh, and if you think about the telecoms industry, most of the companies in that business have come from you know, a position of dominance, um, and, and you know, typically they've got a culture of, of you know, somewhat arrogance and complacency <laughs> in the marketplace, and they're not not well regarded often by customers. That's true. Um, you know, but in this particular firm that we've worked with, um, we've worked across sales, marketing, and, and finance, and in of particular interest to me, being someone with a more of a sales and marketing background, was the work that we did with the finance and, and administration function, which is, and, and if you think about this, it's, it's interesting to, to, it's an interesting idea to enable a finance and administration group to become more customer-centric. How do you do that? What does that mean for, um, for a finance function, uh, given that you know typically they are a, an internally facing function. Um, but with this particular client, we worked with them for more than 18 months, and during that time, we ran a number of initiatives. One of the, the most significant one was a skill development program, which covered about 500 of the 2,500 employees in that function. And the goal of that was really to enhance their customer-centric skills, and to do so by also delivering um, tangible improvements in profitability. We were dealing with uh, the Chief Financial Officer. Um, he's a numbers guy. He's someone that wants to see a return on investment and, and want to see uh, you know, any changes in skill translate to, to the bottom line. So you know, to date, the, the program's been um, a, a really big success. We've been able to um, demonstrate a $15 million improvement in the bottom line as a direct result of some of the new initiatives and, and some of the um, uh, initiatives that really came from a change in the way in which they see their internal and external customers. Uh, and, and just to give you a more tangible example, one initiative that they worked on was reducing bad debts. Um, and if you think about um, these businesses, um, you know, the, a lot of customers just don't pay the bill. And what the credit department did was they, they tried to understand the underlying reason for that, that um, bad debt problem. And they found that customers that got these um, experiences that they described as bill shock, where they had over, overdrawn um, uh, on their um, telecommunications bill, they'd, they'd, they'd used too much um, bandwidth or something like that, and it resulted in this big bill that was just sent out to the customer. And that just put them into shock and they just said, I'm not paying anything. Uh, and so they worked internally with the operations team and the marketing teams to work on how do they reprice some of these products? How do they manage the expectation of customers around these bills? And they're able to reduce those bad debts by about 35%. And you can imagine that has a big impact on, on the bottom line for them. So that's, that's one example of many types of initiatives that come out of these types of programs. That's great. That's wonderful. So what advice, Chris, can you give our listeners regarding how they can enhance their own market-driven cultures? So, you know, I, I think culture is, uh, for, for many companies, it's a kind of fuzzy term and it's, a, you know, it's somewhat a, 
uh, a scary term. What? How can I do something about this? Um, and you know, there are things that can be done in any business, um, you know, in the short term. And and it's a matter of focusing on on some of the smaller wins. You might not be able to um, influence your organisation to implement this large customer satisfaction program immediately, but there are some small steps that you might be able to take. Uh, to move towards that goal, and you know something simple that many organisations don't do is just simply communicating how they use existing feedback that they get inside the organisation um, to benefit customers. Just communicating that back to customers is something that's really proven to have a significant impact on on customers' perceptions, on their satisfaction, on their loyalty, and then. Obviously, ultimately, on the money that they spend with the organisation. So, that's a that's a, an example of something small that can be done. Um, you know, a, another area that many companies are weak in is understanding really what their competitors offer in the marketplace and what the experience is for a customer with their competitor. You know, they tend to un underestimate competitors and and really don't have the level of insight that would be useful for driving improvement. You know, there's a range of things that can be done to get better insight into competitors. It's, you know, from just talking to new clients that come into the business that may have had an experience with the competitor, uh, through mystery shopping, to talking to, to the channel or partners that you work with, to talking to your own sales force about what's going on in the competitive landscape. Um, so that there's a range of different things that can be done, <coughs> excuse me, to have an impact uh, immediately. Great, that's wonderful. So this is something that we can all kind of start at and start thinking about and try and improve um, improve not just our, our marketing culture, but improve our businesses and our profitability as well. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely, great. Well, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate you joining us today. We've been talking with Chris Brown. He is partner and CEO of Market Culture Strategies. And uh, he's been telling us all about um, both the market responsiveness index as well as uh, why it's so important to become market-driven to start with. Chris, if people want more information about this, can you tell us, is there a URL they can go to or a location they can find more information? Yeah, thanks, Linda. We do have um, a lot of resources on our website related to this. Um, so people can go to www.marketculture.com um, and click on resources. And there's a range of different uh, white papers and tools that, that uh, can uh, you know, help customers with, with this area. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Again, we've been talking with Chris Brown from Market Culture. This is Linda Popke. Until next time, that's all from Marketing Thought Leadership. Thanks very much. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by L2M Associates. If you'd like to find out how you can improve the return on your investment in marketing programs, processes, or people, Contact us at www.l2massociates.com.